Hi, and welcome back to Sharp Scratch. You're listening to episode 75, Funding Medical School. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where medical students, junior doctors and expert guests come together and discuss the things that you need to know to be a good doctor, but that you probably won't learn in medical school. I'm Pat, I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ, and I'm also a medical student at Anglia Ruskin University. For this episode, I'm glad to be joined by our friends Anna and Coyote. Anna, would you like to introduce yourself first? Yeah, hi, my name's Anna and I'm a FY1 doctor in the Northern Deanery, currently based in Carlisle in Cumbria. Ooh, awesome. Thanks for joining us today. And Coyote, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Coyote. I am a final year medical student at the University of Dundee, which is the fourth largest city in Scotland and also the sunniest city in Scotland. Um, Yeah, sunniest. It's not... Yeah, there's sunlight out there. I wouldn't say it's sunny, but yeah. And it's like your final week in Dundee as well. Yes, it is. So I have two days of placement left and that's me done. It's a bit... Forever with med school. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit underwhelming, I'm not going to lie. Like, mm. there, there haven't been any fireworks or anything. That's exactly <laughs> what I felt. Everything just sort of slowly petered out because obviously last year with COVID and stuff as well, like we didn't have any grad ball or any graduation or anything. So just slowly people started disappearing like off to wherever it was they were going to be working. And yeah, there was no big bang, bottle of champagne or anything. Just, yeah. But what you will be whelmed by um, is your first couple of weeks. So you got that to look forward to. Yay! <laughs> You're going to have a whole lot of whelming. It'll be great. You'll have an amazing time. As long as I'm, as long as I'm not overwhelmed, I'm fine. Yeah, and also you'll be receiving your first paycheck in a few mm. months' time. So should be good. Yeah, great to have you guys back. The cost of living is on the rise, with soaring prices for groceries, energy bills and petrol, along with the general public, medical students are also feeling the cost of living crunch. How are medical students faring with the increase in cost of living? So in this episode, um, I've collected some audio clips from medical students across the country about their money worries and how they're making ends meet in these circumstances. I'm no money expert, but I have noticed my go-to grocery items have gone up um, when I go food shopping. Is this something that you notice as well? And have you made any adjustments um, in your routine to save money? Um, I would say I'm a bit of a princess or prince or whatever. Um, yeah. And very early on in life, I made a few rules. And one of my rules is food is something that I'm never willing to compromise on. Um I think food brings me so much joy and so much happiness that I've tried not as hard as as hard as I can not to think about how much food has costed me and if it means working a few extra shifts to make sure I can eat well um that is worth it I know a lot of medical students like sort of say oh yeah I um just had noodles for a few days but I think that is such an horrible awful thing to do to yourself um I would rather go without heating than go without good food but that's just like my own personal priority like look at me I eat I I enjoy my food (laughs) yeah I've definitely noticed like things going up in price um but I think the difference for me is that I am now in my first year of actually earning a wage like every month which Mm. 
it obviously makes a huge difference compared to being a, a medical mm-hmm. student. Um, and also I now live in a much cheaper area of the country than I've ever lived before because I, before I was living in London as a student. Um, mm. So I think just like knowing that you're going to have a paycheck every month is so, it takes such a weight off you. Like, I honestly, it's exactly mm-hmm. what I tweeted the other day. You know, the, the stress of being a new junior doctor has absolutely paled in comparison to the stress of trying to sort myself out financially throughout my last couple of years of mm-hmm. medical school. And I was really lucky, actually, because I went to quite a traditional medical school. So I had some long summers in my first three years, which I always worked all the way through. And I worked on a residential summer camp. So obviously mm-hmm. my costs were quite low because they paid for it. They you know included was all the accommodation and food and stuff and that was why I did that job so that I could literally like bank all of that money Mm. and that was I used a a lot of that to do things like pay deposits on flats and stuff so now I'm like settled here in Carlisle and getting paid regularly and like Mm -hmm. it's it's actually so much less stressful even with this cost of living increase and also I'm quite lucky in that I have stubbornly refused to learn to drive um for the last seven years so I don't I don't don't have any petrol um or a car to run I just uh go on my my little legs um so but yeah I've definitely noticed costs going up and I know that like my my parents and stuff have found it a bit difficult um and my sister still lives in London and I think that's becoming more and more like unsustainable for her to to live in live and work in London and she's a nurse so I think everyone's feeling a bit Mm. of a of a pinch Mm. yeah definitely um yeah the things that you mentioned are um yeah echo with what the medical students um said from the clips um yeah so should we have a listen to people from outside the studio um, yeah, so the first clip we'll hear is uh, Michaela Vernon, who's a final year med student at the University of Manchester. Hello, my name is Michaela Vernon and I'm a final year medical student at the University of Manchester. Now, to talk about how the cost of living crisis has impacted on medical students, I think it's really important that we're transparent about finances. So for me, during years one to four, I received around £10,000 a year from Student Finance England. From year five onwards, students start receiving the NHS bursary and a reduced student finance loan. For me in year five, my funding reduced from £10,000 all the way down to £5,500, even though my circumstances had not changed. It was expected that my family would be able to contribute towards my funding, but this is simply not possible for many of us. I think that the decrease in funding in later clinical years disproportionately impacts on WP students like myself. To make ends meet, I work part-time as a healthcare assistant. However, sometimes I'm having to work full-time hours just to keep up. Due to the financial constraints of year five, I found that this year has been really difficult for me. Instead of being able to focus on my final exams and all of the other examinations in year five, like the prescribing exam or the situational judgment test, I found that I've been overwhelmingly worried about money. Due to the hours that I work, I have less time to study And I often wonder what impact this has on my grades and on my potential if I didn't have to work. More recently, with the cost of living crisis, things have been much harder for medical students. Inflation has reached an all-time high over the last 30 years, yet students have not received any increase in funding. 
The cost of fuel makes driving to placements so expensive. I'm sure many students can relate to turning up and nobody telling them that the clinic was cancelled, or they're told to go home early because everyone's too busy. Not only the cost of travelling, but the cost to our time. From June onwards, I won't receive any more money until my first paycheck as a doctor at the end of August. This is in the same year when I didn't even receive enough money for year 5 in the first place, yet alone with the increase in cost of living. Additionally, this month I'm expected to pay for my provisional registration fee for the General Medical Council, or GMC. This costs £53 and it's expected that I will be able to afford this, otherwise I won't be able to start working as a doctor. These are the hidden costs to medical school that nobody tells you about. I've also been sent an email reminding me to pay £42 to hire my graduation gown for this summer. Now I can't not go to my own graduation after working so hard for the last five years, but this month alone that's an extra £100 nearly that I have to spend. There's this real prejudice that medical students all come from well-off middle-class backgrounds, but there are many of us now not from these backgrounds that need more support and better funding. Looking to the future, I want all WP students to be supported during university, not just at admission, and to feel like they belong there. They shouldn't need to work excessive hours just to make it through. The course needs more funding and we need to apply pressure on the government bodies that make these decisions and on the universities themselves. There are a group of us trying to make changes and I would really recommend following the hashtag livableNHSbursary on Twitter for more updates. Yeah, so I think Michaela has um, brought out a few points about um, the cost of fuel, um, grocery, as well as um, working a few jobs alongside to making ends meet. Um, so uh, so when I'm back at medical school, I also work uh, throughout med school just to, um, you know, help with groceries and um, also paying for transport fees uh, to go to placement. I don't know if this relates to some of your experience at medical school. Um that is my that, that is an exact mirror of my experience at medical school um because I have a previous degree and i'm doing i I'm on a five year course so for the first two years mm-hmm. of medical school, I saw that nine thousand pounds leave my own accounts, which was Same. very yeah. <laughs> which, which is very um i don't i I don't know what the what words mm. I can use to describe mm. it but um it certainly makes you a bit more conscious and a bit more aware of your time, which I guess I'm glad for, mm. but I wish I didn't have to do all that extra work. So it, it, had, it has made me become a slightly more difficult medical student, wherein if I'm scheduled on a weekend or a bank holiday for placements, I immediately respond no, no. Um, mm. I can't afford to, to do this because I like to eat and pay my bills and I can't um, do without that Sunday pay. To some people it just appears that you're just being stubborn and you're being a lazy medical student but in actual mm. fact you're just trying to do the very things you know the GMT tells you to do like you know make sure that you're looking after your health mm. and looking after um, your well-being because if I'm hungry if I'm cold I can't study Mm. and if I don't pay my tuition fees I will not be allowed on placement so it's it's okay it's really a a no-brainer um but yeah I I really empathize with 
Michaela mm. a lot. And I think the other thing, respect. you know, we've we've spoken a lot about the the sort of opportunity cost, I suppose, of all of that time that you're spending working um, on top of your study. But actually, the emotional impact of being worried about being worried about your flat, being worried about not having enough money for food or to pay your bills is like is actually it hangs over every aspect of your life because you you're really at in a risky position if you haven't got enough money mm. and my mum once said to me that um having money doesn't make you happy but not having money does make you miserable um and it's so true because like simply just having enough money to like pay your bills and know that you're like safe in your environment and exactly as you say you know you're going to be able to pay your tuition fees and not be put in an awkward situation with the medical school and stuff you know that does it alleviates a huge amount of emotional energy um and I think that was something that's something that I think people don't really appreciate unless they've been in that position themselves like how much it overshadows everything you do um and everything you're thinking about and you know when you're nobody should be in that position um nobody at all especially not in you know Britain in 2022 um and I just think it's I mean for me the the thing that really Mm. I've been quite passionate and sort of semi-vocal about is this idea that winding access doesn't stop at the doors of the medical school so there's because this is my academic interest as well so when you look at the body of literature there's there's quite a lot around like what the barriers are to accessing opportunities to apply for and subsequently get into medical school but actually we need to be putting support systems in place for people once they're at medical school whether that be financial support or support in other areas um because that doesn't you being a widening participation and you can have a conversation about whether the term widening participation is actually a, a good one to use but you know you you don't stop being from where you're from and you don't stop coming from a you know a family that's potentially in a difficult financial position anyway um just because you're a medical student and I think that's what the article that Declan and I wrote was basically saying is that there is this assumption as I think um was was kind Mm. of touched on in the clip as well there is this assumption that medical students have family to fall back on I remember one time when I was in fourth year so this is when I was living um I I couldn't afford to live in London anymore so I was living with my partner in in his family home and commuting like a three-hour round trip a day to get into placement and the bursary um got delayed because they lost some of my documents so I hadn't had any money for like four months and um I I had like nothing like I'd absolutely rinsed my all of my savings from my summer jobs um I had like a two thousand pound overdraft I was in um I got 750 pounds from donating my eggs which is also gone and I, I rang them up and I was like, look, I'm desperate. I have got, I have literally got nothing. And I remember exactly where I was at the Princess Royal Hospital in Bromley. And I sat in the, um, mm. I sat in the like vestibule of the medical education centre and I was actually just like hysterically crying. And I'm still so embarrassed about it when I look back on it because like, I didn't really know a lot of my peers there as well. So I really didn't want them to 
be like, oh my God, what's she doing? Like, she's so weird, sat there hysterically crying. But one of the other girls, bless her, did come over and like comfort me and stuff. And she was like, oh, can you not just ask your parents to give you some money? (laughs) And I just was like, no, no, but thank you for the suggestion. Um, And like, yeah, that was just, that was a bad time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you, Anna. And I, I, don't, I, I don't think that's something you should be embarrassed about at mm. all because I've been in a similar situation where my bursary was delayed and um, you have the university saying, oh, yeah, you need to pay your fees. But, and, but like, you're also owed a lot of money from, like, you know, from, from the bursary and the bursary is also meant to cover your fees. And then when you try to um, get extra financial support from the university, they're a bit like, well, we can't give you any money because you're in tuition fee debt. It's like, well, I know, but this is all linked. And, like, th- there's nothing I can physically do about it. I'm already working. Mm. Um, and that's been working enough to, in order to, like, cover my rent and, like, food and things. Mm. But I need extra money to like you know pay bills and all the other things that you need to do to survive and it's just like an uphill battle trying to get that extra support so it's just it's a lot of failings at every single level where the rules just aren't making any sense so like this year I only got my bursary payment in February which is like the year started in August yeah which is like absolutely ridiculous (laughs) but luckily I've I've always worked, so mm. I work at least two or three Sundays a month, mm. sometimes every Sunday, and that that was able to keep me going for a wee mm. while. But thankfully, by February, when my savings and everything was running out, my bursary came in and it was all good. But mm. yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very horrible and very very stressful situation to be in. Yeah, I think we've all mentioned like we've worked jobs to make ends meet. And um, Anna, you also mentioned about um, donating eggs to get a bit um, extra income. Um, I've spoken to another medical student called um, Ella Gordon, who's a second year graduate medical student. And um, she's also got some creative ways of getting some alternative income. Uh, All the way through my degrees, I have worked. Um, I think money has been a constant struggle. trying to balance a university degree and your finances um, with little help from student finances has always been tricky. I think a lot of people ask, a lot of graduates, because we don't get any funding for medicine, how do you balance working almost full-time and doing medicine? And the truth is we don't. We constantly struggle. We have no option really our our choices are work so hard you fall asleep in the shower or cry in the shower and uh quit medicine those are our options really um I think generally I do worry about the future and having to give up work as the workload increases going into my clinical years um I think COVID has been a massive savior for me I I get a lot of undergraduates frustrated at being kept out of the classroom and and worry about that. But I know for a lot of graduates, it's been the only thing that's gotten us through medicine um, because it means we can schedule our lectures around work. Um, We've been able to have a lot more flexibility in our learning, um, which to us is is fine. We've we've had the tools to do it. Um, But 
getting back to the classroom and getting back to the life where we have to work 15, 16 hours a day, every day with no break becomes really hard. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a concern for the future. I know in the past, it has led to a lot of mental health burnout. Um, even my physical health started to suffer because I'd be more interested in going to sleep than eating dinner. Um, I think it has gotten slightly better. I've had to get more creative in ways of finding funding. So I've been applying to as many essay contests. Um, I've found the odd scholarship here and there. I apply for every scholarship under the sun. Um, but I mean, in, in my master's year, I got as desperate as to applying for clinical studies. And I, I have literally sold chunks of skin, um, and gotten vouchers for groceries. Um, so you do find quite morbid but creative ways um, of doing it. But it's it's amazing how, how much work goes into to just trying to better your future. When she was listing like her ways of getting different income, it really resonated with me as well because I also try to apply every single scholarship under the sun. But I find out they have really strict criteria. Um, yeah, I was just wondering if this is something that you uh, have an experience in as well. Um, yeah, the oh, so this the the scholarship thing. It's like really, really, really frustrating because you have like some scholarships that are so specific like you mm. need to your family needs to like historically have been a chemist or something like that and it's just like okay but I want I but I need money now yeah. um I need some sort of help and um they have like really really weird and odd deadlines so half the time when you when you finally mm. find the scholarship you realize that you've missed the deadline mm. or and, and then you can't apply the next year because it's not relevant for the year that you'll be in the you, you, the, the year of medical s- school that you'd be starting so it's just you're just in this endless loop of trying to find extra funding finding the funding realizing that oh yeah you're not eligible for it and then the ones that you are eligible for the deadlines either passed mm. or you're no longer eligible for it when you're able, when the deadline opens again. It's just mm-hmm. very, very like an endless loop of despair. And why am I spending all this mm. time looking things up? <laughs> it would just be quicker and easier to just go and do another shift mm. and be done with it and save yourself yeah, the heartache. Yeah, exactly. Like because they all have different applications as well. So like you're going to spend all those time doing that, doing all these applications and stuff. Although I did win a prize, so mm-hmm. I used to like scour all the prizes and stuff because I thought oh you know that's a good way of like <laughs> you might get some money you might also get like so yeah like some kudos as well and then eventually Easy I won an, a- an ASME prize and that honestly couldn't have come at a better time because mm. that was just on that um I think when your first clip mm. um talking about um how difficult it can be like in between like when you actually finish medical school and then you like some people have to like up sticks and move halfway across the country and things like that so mm-hmm. that 300 pounds oh. i got from that prize like tidied me over. But, uh, to be fair like my i do think my nation school is really very good in that they were quite open transparent about the fact that they will pay certain relocation costs and like that i didn't have to fight for that at all like i just filled in the form and um it was in my first paycheck which was brilliant but again mm-hmm. like that's all 
in arrears like I had to pay that before I had that money so that was a particularly I think stressful time um was that yeah that that sort of gap between finishing medical school and starting work um although obviously there was more time to um to work and things but I think you know the other thing is all the time that you're spending doing this you know you're not Mm. you're not able to spend that on doing other things that you know a lot of people can do like I remember because I'm an academic um foundation doctor and I really wanted to do the AFP like I really really wanted to have protected research time like I want to be a clinical academic um and I remember asking someone who was like a few years above me who was already an AF2 or something when I was in third year I was like Mm -hmm. what's your advice for like starting to build up stuff for for the AFP and they actually said to me oh you'll need to spend all your savings on going to conferences and I was like okay where are these magical savings I'd quite like them I could spend them on my bills and things instead of going to conferences and I just thought like oh my god you're actually clueless aren't you you've obviously got a pot of savings somewhere which is fine like I don't begrudge other people that but I'm just like I can't believe that you would just Oh, I don't know. I, I got so I got a oral presentation accepted at a big conference, and and I just looked at the prices, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm probably going to pay like at least half a month's wages to go to this conference and present, mm-hmm. which will be like a point on an application. And I'm like, is that actually worth it? Because to go. And then for me, it's like I I want to work in Newcastle, like it's a competitive mm-hmm. area, and you know that's where my part my partner works and you know that's where I want to live and like make my life so is Mm. it actually worth spending that money in order to then get that extra point that might be the difference between me getting a job in Newcastle and not getting a job in Newcastle and I think like that's all of the things that are kind of like going through your head and I think it must be especially difficult for graduates who have you know as Mm. uh as your clip was saying mortgages families and areas that they need to be in um and the special circumstances for allocations of jobs aren't always that um, flexible, I don't think. And this is, again, like, this lack of joined up thinking, exactly what Kaidi was speaking about um, earlier. You know, mm-hmm. for instance, they want to open a new medical school in Carlisle. It's going to be a graduate entry medical school. They say that that's, it's, a wi- it's a winding access thing. But it's like, okay, but who mm-hmm. who from a financially challenging background will be able to go Mm. and do graduate medicine like I don't know it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me and then you know it's just it's just horrible that people are put in this position that you know they have to so much struggle (laughs) Mm, yeah because like especially when um Elle was saying about um joining clinical trials and like selling chunks of her skin for grocery um vouchers um i don't know if you've like done it before or heard your friends doing it um i have a friend who joined a clinical trial um so it was covid so i think it was like a covid vaccination trial and i think she got two grand um from doing these clinical trials um i didn't even know that it could be a i mean i did i do remember thinking quite longingly about selling my blood no Oh, we're, we're, we're laughing, but it is actually really sad because I think um, the clip and Anna touched a lot on, touched on a lot of the points that I was thinking of as, as well. Like the, I think the lady in the clip said something about we don't um, balance, and 
I don't know, it's, I feel a bit triggered um, <laughs> because I do somewhat pride myself on being able to quote marks balance so many different things and still do okay at medical school, do okay at work and, you know, um, live a comfortable life. But is it actually comfortable? And just on reflection, it isn't. I think recording this episode is just making me angry at society. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's frustrating. And just thinking about the 15 to 16 hour days um, the lady in the clip was talking about. Mm. And just thinking about in fifth year, I when when I was still waiting for my NHS bursary, I was doing that some days. So I would... Thankfully, because Dundee is quite a small place, there's only one main hospital in Dundee, which is the same place I do most of my placements, so it's fine. But mm. I would do a day of placements, have a half hour break, and then go to work till 10 p.m., and then go home, wake up, do the same thing again. It was just like this weird cycle. And just realizing that I sacrificed a lot of the things that I enjoyed doing. I like lifting heavy things. So mm. I wasn't able to go to the gym as often as I wanted to. I wasn't hanging out with my friends or anything. Um, my socialization was with the F Foundation doctors on the ward I was on. And which was, which was great because we're re- all really good friends now and we still talk to each other. But is that what I was there to do? I was there to learn. And mm. I think my learning did suffer which is sad. Yeah. And also, you. I feel like something that was quite big for me, um, which is probably, I've become much better at this as I've got older, but like there was a lot of having to like push my pride down, you know, because like on reflection, like some of the only, the only reason that, for instance, I managed to finish fourth year was because my partner's, parents loaned me the money for my transport and then I paid them back obviously interest free because Mm -hmm. they did it out of the kindness of their hearts which I'm like eternally grateful for you know and I did pay I, I paid it all back but like the idea that I wouldn't have been able to do this on my own like always really upset me and I do now I'm like you know they they wouldn't they wouldn't say yes if they if they didn't like want to help and Mm. and I also think like well if it was your parents you wouldn't mind so why does it matter that it's Connor's parents um Mm. so just that idea that like I'd always wanted to be independent and always had been independent like even from when I was like when I could first work in a bar like I was there like the week after I turned 18 um Mm. like having to ask other people for help and I think that's even more so when you're asking like external organisations like hardship funds and things and then they go through like all of your bank account and stuff and mm. you just feel under such scrutiny and you feel bad about any like, ha- you know, like buying a coffee or something because you're like, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't have spent pound fifty on a filter coffee from Pret. And it's like you're not allowed to have any nice things just because you're like in financial difficulty that is it's the same thing about like avocado toast and houses though isn't it it's like no how many prep coffees would i have to not have like for instance kod to pay nine thousand pounds for tuition but you're still like i don't know feel guilty about it anna 
I think the important part is to live in a city like Dundee where there is no Pret. So you'll save all the money. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have one in Carlisle, to be fair, either. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 think that, I think that's what's making the difference, the fact that there are no Prets around you. So you're just like, you're rolling in all this extra cash. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just and and you know, like um, Ella was saying in the clip, like you're you're so skin and you're so busy because you're like trying to work and do medical school because you're skin, and then all you want to do is just you know not have to cook your dinner from scratch from Lidl, and you mm. you can't do that because if you get a takeaway, firstly obviously it is more expensive, but you're also like oh you know somebody's going to be like maybe looking at my bank account in a few months and yeah I don't know I I think a lot of people survive on like overdrafts and credit cards and stuff um which again is like really challenging I always found that with my interactions with student finance and with the bursary as well like they there was just like zero compassion like yeah I had some really really upsetting yeah. conversations with them on the phone and and there also never actually seemed to be anyone who was like in charge like to speak to about mm. why things had been delayed and why things weren't happening but I mean I've even I'm still having frustrating interactions with student finance because they charge me all this um they've been charging me all this money that they weren't oh, supposed to student loan. yeah the student this is actually student mm. finance not the bursary but like it was so mad like I was just going round and round in circles I actually kept a log of how much time I spent on the phone with them and it was like nearly six hours and I was like I should invoice them for my locum rate like 35 pounds an hour for this um and then eventually I just rang up one day and was like nothing still nothing's happened and she was like oh yeah I can sort it for you now and I was just so confused (laughs) I'm screaming internally right now. I, the only reason I'm not screaming out loud is because I realise some people might be listening to the podcast with headphones. Um, but what? Uh, I know, honestly. Those are the words I have. Uh, we'll continue discussing medical students' money worries, but that'll be right after this. Indemnity. You've probably not given it much thought, but it won't be long until the risk of claims and patient complaints becomes all too real. Whatever lies ahead, you need experts in your corner who offer indemnity and a whole lot more. That's why it pays to be with Medical Protection. There's our free membership during your medical school years, our wealth of training resources to help you become the best doctor you can be, and our international experience that protects you during your elective, no matter how far from home you end up. In fact, there are many reasons why our members worldwide trust us to support and protect them throughout their careers. That's why UK medical students choose to be part of medical protection. So, why not join them? Visit medicalprotection.org to find out more. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, I think one of the recurring themes that we've been hearing from you and also from the clips concern, you know, the funding that we get from student finance and NHS bursary, as well as with the system itself. Um, and yeah, I guess um, with the last clip, we'll hear from Alex Twist, who is a second year graduate entry medical student. And yeah, he spoke about his experience with the NHS bursary system and what he thinks should be improved. I'm currently counted as financially independent and as such I'm entitled to receive the full amount from the NHS bursary. 
I'd honestly like to see an improvement in the IHS bursary and also a bit more information about how it will continue to rise to match living costs. It seems that it's remained fairly static recently and I would like to see some transparency about how it will increase. Um, another thing that would be a great improvement would be an improved expenses system from the NHS for medical students. At the moment, the current system doesn't really give you any information once you've submitted expenses. I don't know whether they've been accepted or when they'll be paid, if they are paid. For those who can't readily cover the cost of travel and other placement expenses, such as parking and accommodation, which can easily go into hundreds of pounds, the inability to know what money you'll have in a few months' time makes planning very difficult and uncomfortable. Yeah, so uh, for our listeners who may not know what the NHS bursary is, um, the NHS bursary is a non-repayable fund for medical students in their final years of study. And it's pretty complex as the funding you get varies depending on the length of your course, the geography of your medical school and your household income. And I think what Alex mentioned there um, about the uh, travel and accommodation reimbursement through the NHS bursary system, it's... Um, something that we resonate with I mean um, Anna I saw you nodding there when you know Alex mentioning like you you just don't know when the reimbursement will come through again and what if you can't you don't have enough funds to cover that period where you need Mm, that money and if you've made a tiny Um, tiny mistake on the form like they'll just blanket reject it and won't tell you why it it was the admin site like I genuinely eventually just got to the point where I couldn't even face it like I, I knew that I could get some money back like when I was on elective I was again commuting from Ashford to Bromley I just I knew I could get money back for the train and I just thought I just simply cannot face filling in that form and sending mm. it in and then chasing it up so I was like I was lucky enough at that point I was able to absorb the costs and I you know I, at that point I was so beaten down by the whole thing I was just like oh put it on a credit card I'll sort it out when I've got a wage. <laughs> you know, just kick that can down the road a bit. Um, but I think that that is the attitude of other people as well. You know, like, for instance, my elective was, like, stopped by COVID. I never would have gone abroad anyway because I wouldn't have been able to afford it. But when I asked about, like, you know, what funding arrangements are there for people who do want to go, are interested in going abroad, um, and they said, oh, well, we we would advise you to maybe get a credit card and then you can just pay it back when you're... Um, when you're in F1, because this is the last expense you'll have. Oh I was like, that's an interesting way of looking at things, but fine. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think you do just get to the point where you're like, you are <laughs> you're so ground down by the system. I don't know, KOD, if you would agree. You, KOD's got much more fire in his belly than me. I'm just like <laughs> downtrodden <laughs> and <laughs> miserable. <laughs> no, I really feel you, Anna, because there are some some expenses where it's like the amount of effort it will take to get that money back it's almost Mm. not worth it anymore and Mm. in fourth year I did not claim back a single travel expense because because I genuinely believe the system has been designed to be frustrating so no one has to give you back any money um Mm. Because I just thought the efforts to get that five pounds back for that one train journey I had to take for that one day placement is so much, and they're going to kick up such such a fight. 
it's going to take like I don't know two hours of my life mm-hmm. and mm. you just have to balance it out is that five pounds worth two hours of my life not really um this year I have claimed stuff back because my general practice placement was in far far away land it wasn't that far but um <laughs> it, it cost me 50 pounds for the entire four weeks mm. and I claim that back because I usually um, I'm able to walk to placements mm. because I don't live too far from the hospital. So an extra fifty pounds a month is a lot mm, for yeah. me anyway. Living in mm. living in Dundee, which okay. is a very 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 cheap city to live in, mm. and I think the other thing is like I I was aware that you know some of the things I've been describing about like going to conferences and doing courses and things like that. Um, you know those costs were going to continue throughout medical school but there's been a lot there has been other unexpected costs like as I've gone into my career as a doctor so for instance next year um, when I start F2 hopefully um, I am on a GP practice I'm, I'm on a GP placement and the practice is like nearly an hour away in the car and as I say I don't drive Mm. and it's not a condition of your employment Mm. to be a foundation doctor to have to drive um Mm. they've only just told me like a few weeks ago so I've been trying to organize like okay maybe I can get some accommodation down there Mm. you know there's still all of these costs associated with it and Mm. it's just like if you it just feels like if you haven't got like an account somewhere that's got like five thousand pounds in it you just that you can dip into whenever you want like even as a foundation doctor and I appreciate that our wages have been like massively eaten into with inflation and stuff but I Mm. you know I I I don't struggle month to month because I live in a very cheap area of the country but and I have no dependents or anything like that so I feel that whilst I totally back the whole pay restoration campaign like at the moment I don't feel destitute but it's like one of those additional costs does wipe out like a good chunk of your monthly wage and then I'm like well I don't know when I'm gonna get the deposit back from this flat and then where am I gonna live after that and that Mm. that has been stressful like my last few weeks have been like the most stressful weeks of f1 and it's not because of work at all. Mm. It's because of worrying about how I'm going to financially, like, transitioning into F2 and, like, a different placement where I'm not going to in the flat that I live mm. in at the moment. So, don't mean to be all doom and gloom. Being a, being an F1 is good. <laughs> um, I, I was going to add, this, so this opinion might get me cancelled by the med Twitterati, but... <laughs> I've genuinely not found medical school hard. I, I've, I've not I've, I've not found learning medicine difficult. Like that, it's been enjoyable. I've mm. really enjoyed my time at medical school, mm. but mm. going like the process of medicine—that's the difficult bit. The actual medicine itself, mm. I, I, I personally haven't necessarily struggled with it. Mm. Um, it's thankfully like doing different examinations and practical skills and retaining the knowledge thankfully have come quite naturally to me which has meant I've been able to work and still do well in all my exams and everything um but I just think 
if I didn't have that luxury of all that stuff coming to me more easily, does that mean I'm not good enough to be a doctor? I don't think that's the case because mm-hmm. I think everyone develops at a at different points and learns things at different paces and that's okay and it is a bit heartbreaking because the system is failing a lot of students and a lot of students are scraping by academically Mm. not because they're not clever like you got into medical school you're quite clearly um academically strong so it's 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 really heartbreaking just to see people not doing well because they have so many other stresses Mm -hmm. like pulling on their time so it's sad that personal circumstances are preventing are actively stopping people Mm -hmm. from being able to be the very best that they could be and just thinking to the back in my days because they're always the back in my day people say, so, oh yeah, back in my day we did blah 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 yada yada, and I just think back in your day, you didn't have to think about stuff like rents and housing deposit. You just you finished medical school and went to your house job, house officer job with accommodation provided, yeah. and um, in most of these accommodations there were meals in the in the accommodation provided as well so your wage was just that it was your wage to look after you and you alone mm-hmm. so it's just not really comparable and i really want us to go back to the way things were <laughs> not that I was there but <laughs> but, I, I, but, but I do think that there are some benefits that we should be like we should not have to think about where we're going to live if we're going to be um, sent to a different place in the country like we we should be able to just turn up to work and mm-hmm. do the job and do the learning that we need to do it's, it's a mm-hmm. very very basic thing like you've got us here because you're trying to get us on the conveyor belts to become a consultant as quickly as possible but you're putting all these extra barriers in the way so how are we supposed to become a consultant that Mm. you want us to become if all these different barriers are coming out of our own personal pocket yeah and i just my like final thought is that i do always think i'm so lucky because i if I hadn't have got into medical school the first time, like I wouldn't have been able to do medicine as a graduate entry, like degree. Mm. I don't think. I don't think I would have been able to have coped with some of the situations that the people in the clips described. And I also think mm. that if I if I had been, for instance, born in America rather than the UK, I certainly wouldn't have been able to afford to have financed mm. a medical career. So I feel. I feel extremely lucky that things turned out for me the way that they did. But it hasn't been easy. (laughs) And the more, you know, the more that we're dedicated to, I suppose, opening up the profession to people from backgrounds that traditionally perhaps haven't gone to medical school, you do have to acknowledge Mm. that there is then going to be a different norm and a different, different, you know, default i suppose um perhaps not the best best word to use um and yeah there's more grad entry medics they're opening more grad entry medical schools um and it needs to be acknowledged that 
people have lives and things that they need to do outside of medicine um and yeah i just i just really feel that the support needs to be there yeah and uh i guess similarly to our money situation uh time is also running out for this episode Um, (laughs) have you you been thinking about that the whole time (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry just i pulled that off no it's brilliant i love it yeah that's all we have time for today if you would like to hear other episodes please subscribe to sharp scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks time you'll be notified of our next episode while you wait for the next one, do check us out on social media. We are BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating and a review on wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps other med students to find a show. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.